Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. Look, I don't know if this is the right way to look at it or not, but if I was choosing a college basketball program to go play for, I think I might go play for Sean Miller at, uh, at the University of Arizona. I mean, it seems like a good gig if Sean Miller, out of his pocket, is willing to pay a player ten grand a month while he's enrolled at school. If you average a double double, you probably get a third of Book Richardson's retirement fund too. Yeah, it could be the uh, could be the case. Good Wednesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. Glad to have you along for the ride. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, the voice you just heard, the uh, the witty guy. That's, uh, that's Brian Scott Rippey. Brian Haydad along as well. Sports Talk's brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs or refinancing needs and you're in North Mississippi, well, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land and all that goes with it for over 100 years. That's why they tell you that they know the lay of the land. Check out their website, mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank. Happy Wednesday, middle of the week, boys. We've got a little bit of baseball coming up tonight and then roll into a big weekend starting tomorrow. Ole Miss and Southern Miss coming up tonight from Pete Taylor Park in Hattiesburg. Mississippi State begins their series with Texas A&M tomorrow night, a little Thursday, Friday, Saturday action, and then Ole Miss in Baton Rouge for the weekend against LSU. Forky, how's your Wednesday? Uh, it's not near as good as I it was going to be or I thought it was going to be because I didn't realize that DeAndre Ayton was getting $10,000 a month to play college basketball. Why does that affect your day one way or the other? Because I feel like one year getting bounced in the first round is something I could have done at Arizona as a player, and nobody paid me that much. Uh, You weren't going to be the number one overall draft pick. That return on investment's got to bother them, doesn't it? Just a little bit. I mean, in how many months? Well, think about how their season began a year ago. They were a disaster out of the gate a season ago before they finally got it together and ended up being pretty decent. And then got bounced in the first round. Well, yeah. Which is all that anybody remembers. But, man, I, so I've been following this along today and hoping that uh, Richard or Christian Dawkins were to take the stand, and apparently he's going to, but I haven't seen anything coming from that. If he does, or when he does... It will be in defense of himself, which means he's going to tell everybody everything about what coaches knew exactly what and all that. So I've been waiting for this today. I woke up this morning. I even told my wife, who couldn't care less, that today might be a massive day in sports because there's a guy that's about to go take the stand and unload everything because he has to to defend himself to prove that the schools were not victims, that they were complicit in this deal, and it hasn't happened yet. So that's really what I was meaning is, I was expecting big-time news today. My job was going to be really easy, and it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, hey, Dad, are you also disappointed to have not uh, been paid $10,000 a month? Uh, no, I'm more disappointed that this is continuing. I just wish it would end. I wish it would be over. I don't just know find if the end is anywhere in sight. I know. That's the worst part. Aside from that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Yeah. Rest of your Wednesday okay? Everything else is great. Yeah, feeling good. 
I don't know how you don't enjoy this as a sports media person. I mean, this is a massive scandal in what is kind of considered a dead time where a sport might be turned upside down completely and you just don't want to hear about it. You don't want to talk about it. I just, I just, I just don't care that much. I just don't. I, I've said it a million times on this show. Don't care how the sausage gets made. Just want to eat the sausage. Yeah, but isn't there something that's? I mean, the the human nature of, you know, there, there's a reason that traffic slows down when there's a wreck on the side of the road. I get that. I understand. Not because people don't want to run over the guy directing traffic. It's because they want to see how mangled the car is. It's just not. I mean, I'm not saying that I, you know, I don't rubberneck at a car wreck every now and then, but I'm just saying for whatever reason, this is just not for me. You know, I mean, I can, I'll get on here and talk about it, and you know, give you my thoughts and all that. But as far as enjoyment, no, I, I, I derive none from it. Hey, Rippy, so 10K does seem like a lot to get bounced in the first round, but that Buffalo team was really good. That kind of started the whole Nate Oates Buffalo deal. When eight and them got bounced. Yeah, if uh, if Buffalo doesn't beat uh, Arizona in the first round a year ago, is uh, Nate Oates the head coach at Alabama today? It's a hey, butterfly. Yeah, probably because they were probably pretty good anyway. Yeah. Here's a Say question. What, That's a butterfly effect kind of question there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Bort. So just throwing this out there, not saying it happened, not saying it didn't, but if DeAndre Ayton, who was a good player, he was a very good player in his own right. Was getting ten grand a month. What is Zion Williamson worth in the black market? What is he worth, or what is he getting? A diploma. What is he worth? That we don't is know what Duke? he's getting. He's not but, getting anything illegal. But Come what on. what is he worth compared to what DeAndre Ayton was getting and the production you got from him? What was Zion worth? All I know is Roy Williams is shocked that this is going on anywhere. Dad <laughs> Gummit. Dad Gummit. Although he dropped a he dropped a pretty salty four letter bomb in a post game national championship interview one year. What he switched the D and the G? No, I think he went to a different four letter word. Oh, oh, yeah, he was he was none too pleased. Only he um, didn't say fudge. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I mean, a lot of exposure, pretty decent run in the tournament. More people watched Duke basketball than any other team in regular season college basketball history this year. Yeah. And and it was must-see TV. Absolutely. So whatever, whatever they were paying him, it was worth it. Just from a skill set perspective, too, he offer, also offers way more than Aiton. No question about that. Where does he yeah. project in the NBA, though? Because, I mean, he's not the best shooter. He's not a bad shooter, certainly, but he's not the best shooter, and he's not very tall either, so... Yeah, he's the type of player where you just find a spot on the floor and just let him go play, but how do you use him at the NBA level? Because I watched a game last night where seven-footers were just raining threes, and also they can post up. just fine at the NBA level. They'll develop a jump shot. People develop it five, six years in. Yeah, and I know, Borky, that you said you weren't impressed with his jump shot, and I guess the numbers probably kind of back that up. I thought he had a pretty sweet left-handed jumper from the perimeter. Oh, certainly not bad. I, my question is, how, how are teams going to use him in the NBA? I know he's going to make a roster. He's going, but I mean, he's I mean, not a se- be a starter. But how do you yeah. use him? He's not a seven footer though. I mean, you said he's, a seven footer knocking shot. He's six seven. That's my point. Is how do you use him? Where does you, he fit? Uh, you, you put the ball in his hand and say, "Go make plays, kid." High pick and roll. 
150 times a game. Well, Mike Krzyzewski doesn't know how to do that, apparently. That was another thing about that Duke team. That was a low-key, really bad coaching job because they regressed as the year went on with a bunch of talent. But, you know, he seems to get a pass on everything from the hair to the paying players. My man, just, his just, hair. just drop ah. the hair in there. All right. Naturally jet black at 70. Nothing wrong with it. <laughs> Tell me it might not be what it seems. Uh, that's uh, an interesting uh, concept. That tends to be a, a thing with Duke, that things aren't what they seem. Hmm. Yeah, but uh, they're as close to untouchable as anything there is in college basketball. Maybe in college, in college athletics at all. True. True story. I, I mean, I, I I don't know what to say other than that. I, I, I if North Carolina can wiggle its way out of what they wiggled out of, Duke's untouchable. Well, in Nike, that that's the the layer to this entire FBI thing that completely blows my mind is why Nike or how Nike's been able to skirt all of this. <laughs> They've had schools implicated in this. They've had specific people implicated in this, and yet Nike just flies right through, no big deal, and Adidas got turned upside down. Well, Nike apparently wasn't dumb enough to host a we're handing out cash in a Las Vegas hotel suite seminar. Also true, but... I mean, if porn star lawyer didn't try to extort the company, he had credible evidence against the the people. If he got it, you know the FBI got it, right? You would think. You would think. We got a bunch to get to this afternoon. John Cox, radio play-by-play voice for Southern Miss Athletics, will stop by as Southern Miss is hosting Ole Miss tonight at Pete Taylor Park. Kendall Rogers will join us as well. D1 Baseball has rolled out their regional projections. Mississippi State is a national seed. Ole Miss not hosting. Right now, might circle back to that topic on Monday, depending on how the weekend goes. Wouldn't you think that a win, a series win over LSU in Baton Rouge would push Ole Miss back into the regional hosting projections? Yeah, and at the end of the day, it's a, it's the 18's the number. Like, however they get to that, whether it's 1 out of 2, 2 out of 3, 2 out of 3, whatever, but 18 is probably the make or break. We'll talk some with uh, Brody Miller from NOLA.com. We will talk about the series in Baton Rouge this weekend. We'll also kind of get his thoughts on what's going on in Baton Rouge as it pertains to Will Wade and a new athletics director and everything else. Pretty good on this day story tied to Major League Baseball history. There was a uh, uh, May 1st from a number of years ago was a remarkable day on the diamond. Plus, we've got some football stuff to get to you as well. Let's talk a little baseball when we come back. Ole Miss and Southern Miss tonight from Pete Taylor Park in Hattiesburg. That is when we continue in the Renaissance Bank studio. Wednesday afternoon with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. A piece of scheduling news here, hey, Dad. Mississippi State has added a midweek game for Tuesday, May 14th. They're playing Louisiana Tech. That'll get them back to the full 56 games. Why do you think they did that? Well, I think they did it for a couple of reasons. One, you know, they did they did have a game that they lost uh, earlier this year because of uh, weather out there at the tournament. But I think the main reason they put it together, and this has been in the rumor mill for a couple of weeks, but with the recent uh, tornadoes over there in Ruston, they're going to use this game as a fundraiser uh, gotcha. for Louisiana Tech. That's really cool. Really cool. So, so it will be in Starkville on May fourteenth, and 
Let's see. Admission to the game will be free. All seating will be general admission. Salvation Army will be on site accepting monetary donations to support Ruston, Louisiana, and Louisiana Tech's campus to aid in recovery from the recent tornadoes. Uh, the Omaha Club, the Rooftop, and the Triple Crown Club spaces will be open to those season ticket holders that already have access to those places. Suites will be available to those who rent those spaces on a season basis. So if you've got premium seating, you've still got access to your normal seats for that ball game. 6.30 game. And that will get Mississippi State back to the full 56-game schedule. That's really cool. Yeah. It's not one of those deals where, oh, we need to get another game because we got to get a win because we're trying to get into a host spot. There. Right. There was some talk of that. State had a game last season, as I recall, that got canceled or something like that, and they were – there was some talk that they might have to have that game just to get, just to be over, you know, yeah. to, to find find a way to get into the tournament. But it ended up not happening. So, but this one, yeah, they don't need it in any way. And if anything, it would hurt them if they, were, especially if they were to lose it. But that said, I think the uh, the bigger cause is at work here. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. You've got a top fifty RPI matchup tonight in Hattiesburg. Ole Miss currently at number twenty one in the RPI. Southern Miss is thirty eight. In the RPI, so this is a good game for both of these teams. Uh, second meeting of the year between Ole Miss and Southern Miss. They played in Pearl. Ole Miss won nine to four in the first outing. Tight game. In fact, Southern Miss had the lead. What middle of the way through in that ball game? Hey, Dad. Then Ole Miss kind of put it together offensively. Southern Miss kind of came apart at the seams defensively. Uh, walked some guys, made a couple of errors, and it kind of spiraled out of control late. You want my opinion on Ole Miss Southern Miss? Sure. I don't like Did I say Haydad instead of yeah. Rippy? I was looking at Rippy. <laughs> I was waiting for what to do. I'm glad Haydad stepped in there. Um, yeah, sure. Baseball. Yeah, I'm glad we're all. Come on, help me out, guys. Um, I don't know what Haydad saw in that game, but that was kind of the start <laughs> of Zach Phillips kind of finding his footing. I believe that was four outings ago, and since then he has a 2.89 ERA with a .59 WHIP. Um, That's good. I, yeah, pretty good. Um, and for, for, for those who aren't stat head nerds, whip walks plus hits per inning pitched. One point one is good. Anything below one is really good. Point five six is off the charts good. Yeah, and he's been good since. So, yeah, that was kind of a strange game because it, Phillips almost like it almost came apart of the seams in the first and the second Southern Miss really could have blown the game open and didn't and then Ole Miss kind of took advantage took advantage of the Southern Miss bullpen late so another important game for Ole Miss because they like they got to get two midweek wins they they're going to really hurt themselves if they lose one of these last two well you you make the work that you've got to do in league play far more difficult if you drop either of the two remaining midweek games tonight against Southern Miss or the the road game against Arkansas State yeah, so I, I guess if you look at it from a glass half full perspective, it's a good time for Phillips to be pitching his you know his best he has all year, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they they certainly need it. Um, from an RPI standpoint, I, I think this is important on two fronts. Or uh, Ole Miss, if they're going to be a host, they need to be in the top fifteen, top fourteen of the RPI. Yeah, 16-17, they probably could. Eh, maybe. I don't think you've had an SEC team host in the last five years that had an RPI lower than 14. But how many of those, like, I don't necessarily disagree, but how many 
Like, how many of those cases has the team had 18, presumably 18 conference wins and been outside the top 15? Weird year. It would sum sum Ole Miss up perfectly. Well, I guess what I was getting to with the RPI is if Ole Miss gets a road win against a top 40 RPI team in a midweek game, that helps you. And then you've got an opportunity coming this weekend against LSU, who's at number 15. So a bunch of good RPI opportunity games this week. The other side of the coin, though, for Southern Miss, sitting there at 38 in the RPI, if they're able to get a an RPI win against a top 25 team in terms of the RPI, that helps them. Their RPI gets a bump. And Borky, it was a couple of weeks ago, I felt pretty confident saying that, look, for Southern Miss to get in the NCAA tournament this year, they're probably going to have to win the Conference USA Tournament, which is going to be in Biloxi once again. They are now kind of in that range where they could potentially steal a spot as an at-large team, even if they don't win the Conference Tournament. You still feel like you have to win that thing, though, don't you, just to be sure? I mean, I know that's a very very simplistic way of putting it. Yeah, if you want to make the tournament, win your Conference Tournament. It's that simple, but... I mean, how many bids is the CUSA going to get this year? Maximum of two, aren't they? Yeah, I would think maximum two. Uh, Florida Atlantic and Southern Miss, probably the two most likely. FAU is in Hattiesburg this weekend. Then Southern Miss goes to Rice, and Rice hasn't been very good this year. Been up and down a little bit, but they're basically a 500 team. And then they host UAB to close out the regular season. Rice is two games below 500. They're 21 and 23 overall, 12 and 9 in conference play. And for years, it felt like, okay, the Southern Miss Rice series, the winner of that series was going to be the team that probably won the regular season title. It shifted a little bit as Rice has been down for the last couple of years. But I still go back to the point of uh, if Southern Miss could get a win tonight against Ole Miss, take care of business against Florida Atlantic this weekend, they can continue to build their case as a potential at-large team as opposed to having to rely on winning the conference tournament. Does that make sense? Perfect sense. So Southern Miss sitting at 29-13. and They're 17-4 and in the league. Let's just say that they go 7-2 and in league play the rest of the way. That'll be good enough to win the title. This is their last midweek game. And so the, the the game tonight against Ole Miss is the best remaining RPI opportunity on the schedule for Southern Miss, and that will hold true even once they get into the conference tournament. Regardless of whether they win it or not, they're not going to play anybody with an RPI as good as the one that Ole Miss has in tonight's game. So it's big for both teams. Uh, pitching matchup, it's, it's exactly the same as what you had the first time around, right? Jared Wright started the game for Southern Miss. He's 0-2 on the year with a 6.05 ERA, 17 strikeouts, 14 walks. Zach Phillips, 4-2, 443. Rippy told you his numbers as of late have been much better, 40 strikeouts, 17 walks on the year. Exact same matchup we had last time? I think so. Yeah, I think Jared Wright started that last game as well. So, this is, a, this is an interesting one tonight, and I would, uh, would imagine... Big crowd, good atmosphere. Uh, should be a lot of fun for a midweek game. Uh, unfortunately, you will not be able to watch the ball game, or at least as best I understand, you won't be able to watch it. You will have uh, you the old broadcast. You can if you pay for it. It's a $7 live stream, I think, via the Conference USA website. Okay. So there is an option to watch it if you are so inclined. Yeah, basically for the price of a ticket. Okay. 
Well, that's good. Good to know that. Um, not available, though, on the, the Watch ESPN platform. Got to do that through Southern Miss's website or through the uh, Conference USA website. Um, travel day today, hey, Dad, for Mississippi State, and then that series begins tomorrow night. Um, I don't want to downplay the importance of the series for Mississippi State, but this thing is massive for Texas A&M on the heels of last weekend. Yeah, I would definitely agree that, that A&M needs this series more than Mississippi State. Uh, but that said, you know, State could put themselves in basically the catbird seat as far as a national seat with a series win here, and then you've just got those two series left. You feel really good about what South Carolina at home, and then whatever happens in Oxford can just happen. Um, saw some interesting news on Twitter today. Uh, one of my cohorts, Brett Hudson from uh, another uh, media organization, said that it looks like State's going to alter the pitching rotation a little bit uh, for this weekend and that they're going to keep Small and Ginn on their regular rest. So on Thursday night, instead of getting that Small, I can never pronounce that guy's name. Say it, Richard. Doc Sackis. Matchup that we were looking forward to. It's going to be Keegan James uh, going on uh, on Thursday for the Bulldogs and then Small and Ginn will pitch games two and three to keep their normal seven days rest. That's a that's a Big-time calculated risk, isn't it? it? It kind of is, but at the same time, you feel really good about your chances to win two and three with Small and Ginn, but if you can somehow out-hit A&M on Thursday night, you get the sweep. Yeah, I mean, that, to me, that's the key, because if game one goes for A&M with Mississippi State not throwing Small or Ginn, now you got to match up with basically a second ace for Texas A&M and Asa Lacey against Ethan Small. I don't love... A&M's chances against Ethan Small just because they're not very good offensively. But that could have like 2-1 to one written all over it. We'll see. Wednesday afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, and right now on the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team. John Cox, the play-by-play voice of the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. John, I hadn't seen you in a while. What's up, man? Well, I've been uh, I've been riding the bus and uh, staying in hotels and uh, sitting in press box. So at uh, this time of year... Last week we had a five-game week, so we were all over the place last week. But uh, finally back home at Pete Taylor Park for uh, I think uh, seven of the last ten ball games so during the regular season. So that'd be good. That that's a nice little gift uh, at the end of the year, especially after a week like you had last week. What go to New Orleans, then come back to Hattiesburg, and then go get on a plane, and then fly to Murfreesboro, and then come back again. Or was it bus to Murfreesboro? I guess. Yeah, we bust up there. Yeah, but yeah. So so that was a. Uh, Really gone from, uh, you know, you're here Tuesday night and on the road Wednesday and on the road again Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So long week, so a couple of days this week with no game were kind of nice. Do you watch movies on the bus or do you sleep? What do you do to pass the time? I do a little bit. If it's a movie, you know, I'm older than most of those guys nowadays, so sometimes they don't want to watch the same movies that I might want to watch. But uh, uh, <laughs> but I, yeah, I watch a movie or I like to read. I'm a big reader, love to read, so I'll read on the bus and uh, things like that. But uh, so, you know, not a whole lot you do on there. They'll, you know, like different basketball when riding with Doc Sadler, Doc likes to watch golf. So he'd watch the golf channel. Those players would just go to sleep. Doc would watch the golf channel. So, uh, but. Coach Barry lets the players kind of watch what they want, so normally it's a movie on there and not uh, not a TV show or something like that. 
Doc playing his trump card. I uh, I like that. Before we get into the baseball, kind of kind of big picture. We we've talked a lot with Luke Johnson in in recent weeks, just kind of about overall thoughts. Uh, does it feel like maybe there's kind of a transition into uh, into a time of stability for the the athletics department now that that Jeremy's in place as the AD and uh, you know new head basketball coach in place. Obviously, Scott's as stable as he can be on the baseball side of things, and maybe stuff's kind of settled down with football a little bit. Yeah, I think, you know, I think this stability, you know, it's probably not just the Southern Miss thing, but I just think it's so important to have some consistency. I mean, I think one reason the baseball program has been so good, there's only been four coaches since 1958, and they've all been connected. Pete Taylor, and then Hill Denson. Hill had played for Pete Taylor, then Corky Palmer, who had coached with Hill Denson, and Scott Berry, who had coached with Corky Palmer. So that consistency's been there for, I don't know, what's that, 60 years in, uh, you know, Southern Miss baseball, and, uh, you know, I think that's what you got to have. You got to have some guys that are going to stay for a while and, you know, kind of make that program theirs. But yeah, I think I think with uh, Jeremy McLean coming coming back, that that's really big. I think Jeremy is a guy who wants to be at Southern Miss. You know, he other you know, in a difference to the guys that have preceded him, he already knows what's got to be done and how it sort of needs to be done. So you got a guy who's come back who knows, uh, you know, what the situation is and how he wants to go about trying to fix it. So, uh, yeah, nothing like stability. And then Jay Ladner, the new basketball coach, I think Jay's the same way. Jay uh, has really never really left the Hattiesburg area. You know, he coached down on the coast at St. Stanislaus. He's been at Southeastern Louisiana. He's been at Jones Junior College. He's been to Oak Grove High School. So he's never really wanted to leave this area. Now he's back at his university. So I think that's big, too. So I think that's the key is you got to have some stability guys that know what it takes to be successful here, and uh, whether it's an athletic director or a coach. And I think we've started to put some people like that in place who, who know that and can do that. Maybe you got to have people that like to play golf so that you can take advantage of those fantastic golf courses in and around Hattiesburg. Yeah, you're right. That, that's uh, Hattiesburg's become uh, you know, kind of a stopover point. You know, people that are going to the, uh, the panhandle of Florida or to the Mississippi Gulf Coast to play golf, they... You know, when I first got to Hattiesburg, there was the Hattiesburg Country Club and there was a university course. Now, within about a 15-minute uh, drive of the campus, there's probably 10 or 12 golf courses, and maybe more than that. So uh, it's really become a pretty good uh, golf destination. Let's dive in on this baseball stuff. A big matchup tonight uh, for, for a lot of reasons. Obviously, two in-state teams playing, playing for the second time this year. We were talking RPI a little while ago, and this is the time of year where those three letters matter so much. Uh, both of the teams in the top 40, if Ole Miss can pull off a win, it's a really important road win because of RPI. It's the best remaining RPI opportunity on the schedule for Southern Miss and a chance to really kind of boost their resume as we get closer and closer to um, the, the time when they select the, the 64 for the postseason. Yeah, no question. This last uh, stretch for the Golden Eagles is important. Starting with this game tonight, you know, this weekend we got FAU, who's two games behind us in the Conference USA standings, and we got to go play at Rice, who's, you know, having a pretty good uh, second half of the season. So there's some big games coming up for the Golden Eagles, and probably. You know, none bigger than this one that tonight against Ole Miss. This is always one of the great uh, uh, games here. I mean, the largest crowd we ever had here at Pete Taylor Park uh, was a game against Ole Miss back in 2011. In fact, I was looking at today, I think uh, something like uh, 12 of the top 15 games ever have been against Ole Miss. So it's going to be a great atmosphere here tonight. And 
obviously you're right, it's a big RPI game for, for both teams. And so it's interesting to see how the two coaches will play it today. I mean, normally you, you, know, you, you play it because it's important, but uh, you want to save some stuff for the weekend. I'm anxious to see if either or both coaches today kind of maybe use that one extra guy just because they think that could be the difference in a, in a ball game like this. So it's going to be interesting. Always uh, seems to be a, a well-played game and one that seems to go right down to the end. So we'll see how it turns out tonight. Yeah, there have been some uh, some pretty incredible endings to games between Ole Miss and Southern Miss through the years. We were talking with Scott about this earlier in the week, and I'd be interested to get, to get your thoughts. You talk about the importance of these games over the next couple of weeks. It seems to coincide with, with maybe Southern Miss playing its best or some of its best baseball the entire season. Would you agree with that? Oh, it's, yeah, there's no question. You know, I, you know they, 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 they got off. They've had some it's, – it's been a good year, but they've had some – stretches in the season where they probably lost some games that a year ago, you know, they would have they they won or would be predicted to win. But but I think what started to happen is uh, I mean Coach Barry, Scott Barry's gonna he's pretty good one of those guys that's gonna keep basically that same lineup every night. He's had some young guys in the lineup like like Danny Lynch and like Will McGillis and and like Hunter LeBlanc and guys like that who are freshmen or redshirt freshmen who the more they've been playing now here down the stretch, they're starting to do some things both in the field and at the plate that I don't think we've seen them do uh, all year long. They've got all of them have got hot at the plate. They're starting to figure it out a little bit. So uh, this is an important time, and you know I think the Eagles. So right now, I think we're a game or two games behind what we were last year. We were in we're 42 games in. I think last year at the 42 game mark, we were like 31. And 11. Now we're 29 and 13, and we're in first place in the league like we are right now by two games. So this this is a big stretch. Like I said, we play the Ole Miss tonight at home, FAU this weekend at home, have a UAB at home at the end of the year. So seven of the last 11 are here at Pete Taylor Park, where Southern Miss this year has gone uh, 18 and four at home. So pretty good advantage. So uh, they got to take advantage of that here the next couple of weeks. Matt Walner, if you had asked him before the season had started, and I know guys don't necessarily focus exclusively on numbers, but I don't know that he would have said, oh, yeah, I want to be hitting 296. But that's where he is, and it's been kind of a slow and steady climb. But you look at the at kind of the power numbers. He's got nine doubles, 12 home runs, has driven in 41. Uh, kind of in their totality, it may have been a, a little bit of a winding road to get to this point, but his numbers really are about kind of where you thought they would be, aren't they? Yeah, maybe maybe a little less. But in the last, I'm just looking at it as you're talking about that. The last ten games, Matt's hit 341, 14 of 41 at the plate. Six of his 12 home runs have come in the last ten games, and 13 of his 41 RBIs have come in the last ten games. And the Eagles have won nine of those ten ball games. So uh, he's, I think he early on people were approaching him differently. I think their their plan to face him was. You know, we'd rather walk him than let him hit a home run. And so he wasn't getting a lot of good pitches early in the year. And I think there are probably some times where, you know, maybe he got frustrated and uh, got a little anxious at the plate. But I think here down the stretch, he's really uh, settling in. And he has, he's, he's been a guy that's made some big plays for the Golden Eagles. So uh, I think he'll continue to do that. Uh, now if the weather is getting a little warm, it's going to be a hot, muggy night in Hattiesburg tonight. So, uh I'm, I'm excited to watch Walner here down the stretch and see what he can do because it looks like he's playing his best baseball right now. And, and, John, if you just extrapolate those numbers through 10 more games, if he were to replicate what he did in the last 10 for the next 10, then you're going to yeah. look up and he's sitting at 18 home runs. He's going to be in the mid-50s in RBI, and he'll be hit, hitting, what, 315, something like that? 
he said I think 296 going into the game tonight. So yeah, you know, a couple more games. Now he's over the 300 mark again, and uh, you know, so uh, yeah, he's he's going to be one of the keys. Obviously, we got to have him going. Him and Hunter Slater. Slater is having a real good game, year. He had a game last week down in New Orleans where, in the game, he had three home runs and eight RBIs, high school record. So Ooh. he's another guy that's really. Uh, He's got nine home runs and 46 RBIs. Bryant Bowen's coming off a 22-game hitting streak that uh, ended uh, last week down in New Orleans. So uh, the combination of the veteran guys and then uh, those young guys I was talking about earlier, I think give this team really a chance to to do some special things down the stretch. Wish I was going to be there tonight, John. I know it'll be a lot of fun. Thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Richard, anytime. Glad to talk to you. Thanks for all you do, and uh, see if we can have a We'll have a good one tonight, no question about that. Sounds good. Hope to see you soon. That's John Cox from the Southern Miss Radio Network. He's the radio play-by-play guy. He's been doing it for a couple of years also. What a great guy. John Cox on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. It's your 4 o'clock with you. Wednesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. Coming to you from the Renaissance Bank Studio. Glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Circle back to a conversation that we began yesterday, but Brian Haydad was not here to take part in the conversation, and I think it's one uh, worth revisiting. If you want to text the show, you can on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395 is the number. If your phone's a little rough around the edges, well, there's a single place you can trust for all your phone repairs. That's C Spire. C Spire stores from Brandon to Tupelo are certified phone repair locations. They can fix any problem on any device from any carrier, in most cases, while you wait. Stop by today. C Spire, customer inspired. So, hey, Dad, we were kind of looking at guys that were either drafted or signed to free agent deals, guys that are going to be playing professional football this coming fall from Mississippi State and Ole Miss. And we've talked a lot about what the teams are losing, what they've got to replace. You're kind of on record as saying, yeah, Mississippi State probably takes a step back on the defensive side, but they probably don't fall off the cliff. Definitely will take a step back, but probably won't fall off a cliff. Yeah. So, so that's fair summation. Yeah. Let's read these names out loud. We'll we'll do Mississippi State's defense first, and then we'll take a look at Ole Miss's offense, and then get into what I think is a fascinating question, or at least I thought it was when I asked it out loud yesterday, and that is which is harder harder to rebound from, losing a ton on the defensive side of the ball or losing a ton on the offensive side of the ball. Mississippi State loses three first-rounders. Jeff Simmons, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Abram. That's three starters on the defensive side of the ball. Gary Green goes with the 199th pick. That's a fourth starter. And you continue to look and you see Jamal Peters signs an undrafted free agent deal with Indianapolis. And Braxton Hoyette signs a UDFA deal with Tennessee, and Mark McLaurin signs a free agent deal with the Giants. That's seven starters on the defensive side of the ball, a defense that was, again, the number one defense in the country a year ago. Can it be just a step back? 
and not be a fall off the cliff? I think so. I think so because they've recruited really well defensively. They bring back a lot of guys who played a lot of snaps. You've still got a lot of talent up there, with especially in the linebacker position with Willie Gay and Errol Thompson. you got Cam Dantzler, who's I think going to be one of the nation's better corners. At safety, you lose Abram and McLaurin, but you played a ton of safeties last year because there were some injury issues back there. So you're bringing back four guys who've played a lot of snaps and Brian Cole, Jaquarius Landrews, Marcus Murphy, and C.J. Morgan. All of those guys got at least one start uh, a season ago. On the defensive line, you know Simmons is the guy that's irreplaceable just because there's not another five-star freak of nature athlete waiting to plug in. But you've got some solid guys there on the defensive line. And at the end, I think Chauncey Rivers can, can produce the same amount of production that Montez Sweat did. I don't know if he'll lead the SEC in sacks or anything like that, but he can be a solid 7-10 to 10 sack guy. I like Kobe Jones on the other end. I like Marquis Spencer coming back from injury. He missed all of last season um, with, with, an, with an injury, so I mean he didn't even play. And you know you've got a guy coming. You got some young defensive linemen coming in. A guy like Nathan Pickering, who was a four-star kid and highly rated. I think he'll he probably will get the full freshman year. I don't think he'll redshirt this season. So, State's done a good job in the past few years of of, of developing talent on the defensive uh, front, developing guys in the back end, and they've got a lot of depth. They've got a, they've got a lot of guys who've played before, and they've got they've got a good bit of talent. So yeah, I mean if they go from first to twenty-fifth. I mean, that's a 24-spot drop, but that's still going to be a really good defense. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, a top 25 defense is a good defense. It's a defense that gives you a chance to win games. Um, I agree with what you're saying about doing a good job of developing talent and bringing in talent. My, my trouble with this is I've never lost seven starters – to the draft to, to professional football. It's true. Now, are are there are there seven guys on that defensive side that are pros right now? I mean, and, and, and I'm not saying that you knew all of those guys were pros, but you knew Jeff Simmons was a likely first rounder. Yeah. You knew Montez Sweat had played himself into a likely first round spot. You heard a lot of draft analysts say, "Oh yeah, Jonathan Abram, this guy is a first round talent. We'll see if he ends up in the first round or not." He maybe didn't know one way or the other about Gary Green, but felt like he was going to get a shot. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the case with with Peters and uh, with, with McLaurin and Hoyette. Maybe Hoyette and McLaurin a little less so. But I mean, you you knew that there were five pros and three potential Pro Bowl players on that defense. Does that exist now? If you said, look, I mean, just looking at the roster, I think Thompson and Gay are future pros. I think Chauncey Rivers is a future pro. Dantzler is a future pro. I think Cole and Landrews could be pros. Marcus Murphy's just a sophomore, but I mean, I like what, what you've seen from him early on. Um, and then you've got some guys like Lee Autry, Kobe Jones, who could be sort of the same thing as a uh, as Hoyet and, and McLaurin are this year, you know, just guys who signed free agent deals. I think for sure you've got. Three. All right, I stand corrected. Then you just you just name nine that you think are pro players. I, I I mean, and I'm I'm not I don't feel like I'm putting a lot of hyperbole in there. Especially Dantzler, Thompson, and Gay are probably first second round picks when their time comes. Well, my question uh, is, can they afford any kind of drop off? Because I mean, e- even if they That's, have a top, now you're getting 20, to the real question. You're getting to the they, real question. Yeah, even if they have a top twenty five defense, the number one overall scoring defense in all of America lost five games. 
Yeah. So can they even afford a drop-off to a, a team that's a top 25 defense still in scoring? Not if they're not better offensively. If they're better offensively, sure, they can they can afford it. They can they can start winning some games with offense. But if they're not better offensively, then you just hit the nail on the head. The number one defense was only good for, for eight wins. What's the number 25 defense going to be worth? All right, let's frame this from the Ole Miss perspective for a second. You lose a, uh, an early second-rounder on the offensive line in Greg Little. You lose two second-round wide receivers in A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. You lose a third-round tight end in Dawson Knox. Not that Dawson Knox was used in a way that he was terribly evident that he was on the field very often. Um, or on the roster. <laughs> or on the roster. Javon Patterson played 7.3 million snaps over the last four years as an offensive lineman. Never got hurt. And DeMarcus Lodge, another wide receiver. So three pro wide receivers. Two of them are second rounders. One's an undrafted free agent. So same question, Rippy. Does the offense take a step back? And can you know that given that there is an altogether new offensive coordinator? Does it take a step back? Yeah, I mean, that's the, the first question. And, and, oh, by the way, quarterback's gone as well. A couple of mini-camp invitations that are out there for Jordan Tomlin. So new quarterback, three new starting wide receivers, new starting tight end, and three or three new starters on the offensive line? Those 127 combined starts on the offensive line. Seems like a lot. So yeah, I, I would think so, but it new system. So it's it's not like the guys in the last one were ex- exactly used properly either. So I think they'll actually kind of skews the way you answer the question. Yeah, exactly. It? it makes it a much stranger question and a much harder question to answer. So naturally, the answer would be yes, but I'm not sure how much of one because like like obviously, if that array of talent on offense last year was used properly and produced at a level it was accustomed to producing to, the answer would be undoubtedly yes, probably a pretty large step back. But like they underperformed because of what they were asked to do and how they were asked to do it. So I don't know. It'll certainly look different. I actually think they'll be okay at receiver um, with some of the different options they have. It'll be a different looking receiving core. Obviously, won't be as quite as talented, but I think they'll be okay there. But offensive line and quarterback will be gigantic question marks. Offensive line in particular. Um, this draft cycle, especially, and I'm not football smart enough to really understand like some of these people that that do it exclusively for a living. But reading the amount of draft profiles that I did on all of these guys and the overlying theme was how they were simply not put in position to be as successful as they could have been and the amount of times that it was written in one way or another that simply that offense cannot function well at the highest level of college football it was amazing I I mean I guess I kind of figured because anytime they played a decent opponent they weren't producing and there's a reason for that but when it was spelled out so fully from really smart football people that that have been in scouting and coaching for a long time really emphasized just how poor schematically they were a year ago and that personnel group have been better served to have been coached by Dan Warner as the offensive coordinator last year 1000 percent I mean, Dan Werner is Hugh Freeze's offense. So, yeah. 
Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Kendall Rogers is next. Pat sends us a message on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed, Sports Talk M-I-S-S. He says a baseball scout told him that he thinks Jerrion Ely will play football at Ole Miss but will also sign a baseball contract in the way that A.J. Brown did. He said that Ely and Rich Rod's spread offense could light up the scoreboard. You heard anything on that front with regard to Jerrion Ely and where that's headed? Not a whole lot different, but I wouldn't bet on it. Just based on the fact that he's still projected to be a yeah first round, top two rounds, a lot of money. If he ends up at Ole Miss, do you think it's more likely in Pat's scenario or a scenario where he plays football and baseball in college? I think it'll be that one, won't it? MLB.com's uh, Keith Law ranks Jerrion Ely as the 18th best prospect regardless of position. Forget about it. <laughs> I'd be pretty amazed if he ends up at Ole Miss playing football. Which is crazy. It could happen. But people in this area think he's going to school. A lot of people. People that I've talked to that are in coaching, in local school coaching here, think he's going, Look, to, going to school. For whatever that may be worth, and it's probably nothing, and he has yet to be thrown millions of dollars into his face. But... There's a growing talk around here that he's going to school regardless. Well, one thing that, that is worth pointing out is you're seeing more instances of first-round draft picks going to college, right? When you got J.T. Ginn, first-rounder at Mississippi State, in school. Gunnar Hoagland, first-rounder, in school. Uh, shortstop for Florida, uh, Brady McConnell. First rounder in school. Um, but LSU Landon Marceau, one of the starters, first rounder in school. But those guys are playing baseball. They're not getting their brains beat in on the football field. Well, I, I understand that, but I guess what I'm saying is, if a base, if a pro baseball career is on the horizon, and you're interested in playing football. Why not look at the numbers of, okay, guys that play college baseball are getting to the big leagues faster, and I can still do what I want to do in football? And maybe even pull a Kyler Murray and have a good draft stock and do that. That option's on the table, is what I'm saying. I mean, the Kyler Murray thing to me is such an outlier. It is, but people are using it as an example and a reason and a justification. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, it, it certainly is, and, and somebody texted us that exact same thing. Yeah, well, what about Kyler Murray? Well, uh, again, I would call Kyler Murray an outlier, but Borky, I think it's a reasonable point. It's just different in that Kyler Murray was already in college and somehow convinced the Oakland Athletics to let him play one more year of football. That'll Billy never Bean happen catch again. any heat for that? I don't know how you can, because how could you have foreseen that? I mean, I guess letting him... Like, I mean, if you're the GM, isn't it your job to foresee that your first-round pick ends up in your uniform? You're not to wrong. To some degree, but... Well, I, I guess the question there for me is... 
Was Kyler Murray refusing to sign a baseball contract unless they allowed him to play football? I, I never heard that part of the story come out. That seems unlikely, though, doesn't it? Seems unlikely because he couldn't have known. I mean, I'm sure he thought he was a talented player and he was probably going to bet on himself a little bit, but he couldn't have known he was going to have the season he had. He was I mean, not wh- a projected first-round pick, much right. less the first overall pick going into that football season. Right. So, I mean, more than likely, it was just brought up by his management in the A's. The A's are probably looking at the same thing you were just looking at and looking at mock drafts. Oh, this kid's not even on anybody's radar. Yeah, let him play football. It'll be fine. It'll be a good story. It'll raise publicity for us when he comes to play for us next year. Oops. Hmm. Kendall Rogers tied up with um, another issue right now. He's going to join us coming up in just a little bit. Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball and D1Baseball.com. We're also scheduled a little bit later this afternoon to visit with Brody Miller. Brody Miller from uh, NOLA.com covers LSU. Get into a bunch of stuff with uh, with him. So let's go back just for a second to, to kind of wrap up the football conversation. Borky, can we just push Kendall to 437? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, we'll do that. Be- because I did want to circle back to the question of when, when you look at a, a team losing a bunch of guys on the offensive side of the ball, and then another team losing a bunch of guys on the defensive side of the ball. Which is easier to bounce back from? Is it easier to bounce back from losing six or seven offensive players to the draft and free agent contracts? Or is it easier to bounce back from losing that many defensive players? I know you got a thought. You've recruited, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, if you've recruited, what's waiting in the wings? And maybe it doesn't matter if you're at a place like Alabama. That's I mean yeah for Alabama it's just plug and play you know for one five star leaves the next one get, takes over for him, but at Mississippi State and Ole Miss it just depends on how you've recruited. Um, you know, like I said with with State, you know I feel pretty confident that Chauncey Rivers can can provide similar production to what Montez Sweat gave you. Uh, Abram is a little bit of a different animal just because of the way he played, but from a production standpoint I feel pretty good there. Simmons to me is the irreplaceable one. And he, I mean, there's just not a there, there's just not a lot of Jeff Simmons in the world of football. There's just not a lot of guys like that. So, you know, you might you, you might be good at defensive tackle, but you won't be you won't have what Jeff Simmons gave you. Yeah, and isn't the layer here? I mean, more specifically, I know it's a general question. And I think the general answer is probably defense, but isn't it here especially um, heightened because Mississippi State has continuity at the defensive coordinator position for the first time in what feels like two decades. So they have the same scheme that the younger guys are playing in that they've played under for more than one year, which is a refreshing change. And at Ole Miss, you're replacing all of those guys and now teaching them an actual offensive scheme for the first time since they've been in college with the new coordinator. So on top of having to replace these guys and your veteran quarterback being a redshirt freshman, it's an entirely new system, which makes it even more difficult to transition from old to new. Yeah. Um, oh, hey, Dad, there was something you said that I was going to circle back to. Sorry You can that. text the show, ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Ceasefire is so good, but I will not wear their logo on a tie for five grand. Richard. <laughs> that was a text. 
He says that's where his mind goes every time he mentions us. Uh, hears us mention ceasefire, as well. I'd wear any logo for like two hundred bucks. I would wear a jumpsuit covered in logos every day for the rest of my life if you gave me five grand. Just clothes. Who cares? They're giving you money. Whatever. For the rest of your life. I mean. $5,000 is not that significant when you're talking about for the rest of your life. It is for me at the moment. I need that it money, It is buddy. very short term. I'm not disagreeing with that, but you said for the rest of your life. Hey, money's money. Hey, Dad, I mean, Rippy also likes zippered golf shirts, so he's kind of yeah, pushed out of skewed. this conversation. <laughs> you really would do it. Let's say the tie is, is not like a NASCAR tie, right, where it's not just some big, fat logo just plastered on there, where it's like since C Spire's got... got the, the right colors like a little a powder blue tie with small little uh, of the, like the C logo that that's their dark blue that's spotted all over the tie. So unless you know unless you're really looking for it, you probably just think it's another design. Would you wear that for five hundred dollars on ca- for one TV? Well, why, why did you just take a zero off the number? Because I made the challenge a lot easier. Richard's not the guy to ask. He's not really a fashion savant. He doesn't really understand the zippered shirt concept. <laughs> I mean, to to your previous point about five thousand dollars for that, yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, but it's easier because the tie I mean, for looks a one, good. It, would I wear a good-looking tie one time for five hundred bucks? Absolutely, certainly. But it has it's a sponsored thing. It's got it's got logos. At the end of the day, it's got logos all over it. That would be even at five hundred dollars a bad investment for Ceasefire, though, because you wouldn't recognize their logo. It would just look like a tie. See, it doesn't make sense now. Richard and Wiggins suggest that we wear bolo ties so that we can be like Philip Rivers. David and Soche says he'd wear it on his high knee in his birthday suit if the money was right. Oh God. Love that image. Yeah. Thanks uh, Thanks for that, David. I'm sure that's what everybody wants to see is a corporate logo emblazoned on your hiney while we're walking around in your birthday suit. I got a lot of space if, if we're going to go that route. John wants to know why they won't put pockets on golf shirts. Some golf shirts have got pockets. You have pockets in your pants. You don't, you don't you need a pocket up there for Brant Snedeker is big on the uh, pocketed golf shirt. Is that too spicy for you, along with the zipper? I think I've got, like, one golf shirt that's got a pocket on it. Somebody said they wouldn't wear powder blue. Okay. Philip and Starkville. Zippered shirt? Is this a bowling scene in Uncle Buck? Good God. (laughs) You hadn't pulled that out in a few days. You You should get it out of the laundry and wear it again. I burned it that day in the backyard, cooked dinner over it. Sports Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Joined now by Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Kendall, you find it any time to cover baseball outside of uh, adding a third assistant and uh, the constant calls that go along with who voted which way and what's going on and are we ever going to get past this? Well, you know, the thing about it is, uh, is I, was mo- I was very ready to move forward, but the NPA on Monday released the, t- the, you know, the way each conference voted. Well, lo and behold, 
the WCC and, and the most shocking one, the, the American Conference, both voted no. Well, as I've dug into this with the American, uh, it appears that all the ABs in that league were told they were voting yes. All the coaches in that league were told they were voting yes. And uh, a lady by the name of Maggie McKinley from the University of Cincinnati apparently took it upon herself to vote no on behalf of the league, despite the league being uh, very much in favor of it. So uh, I've kind of been digging into that. You know, the thing about this deal, Richard, is, uh, you know, I'm sure it's a little strange to some people that we keep harping on this, but at the end of the day, like, these people need to answer for their votes. Like, uh, you know, I was talking to two, uh, two uh, SEC ADs the other day who both said, like, hey, like, these people never had their votes revealed. So the fact that this is coming out, they're having to answer for it, man, that's a really good thing for the sport because before you could just hide behind your vote and go, okay, nobody's ever going to find out it's college baseball. Well, that's not the case anymore. We're going to find out who's voting what and if you're being consistent about your position. Obviously, uh, these two conferences have not been consistent, and WCC uh, has yet to get back to them. So have you gotten an answer on why she randomly decided to vote that way for the AAC? Well, so the AAC saying that, that Maggie McKinley uh, discovered new information in the meeting that made her vote against it. So my question for them was, okay, what, what was it that there was an issue with? Well, apparently it was an issue with uh, the fact that it was just converting the volunteer to a paid coach, not adding a volunteer, to which I responded with, but didn't you know? Didn't you guys read the legislation? Yes. Okay. Well, in that in that case, the SEC at the end of August last year proposed this legislation. The SEC has never changed the wording of this proposal. So the SEC submitted it in August. All the conferences and all the NCA people got this legislation proposal in September. It was dispersed in September. So I don't know how in the world she or the league thought that that wasn't the terminology whenever it's been that way since day one. So all these ladies around the country are saying, well, it's not the, the original proposal. Yeah, it is. The SEC at one point did consider adding a the system, but they were told by all these people that would never pass. So the, the only official legislation that's ever been put up by the SEC included converting the volunteer, with the option to do it, by the way, converting that volunteer to a paid assistant. It never said anything about adding a fourth assistant. So what we're basically doing is calling their bluff and their lies, and uh, so far they're having a tough time answering their questions. Kendall, one last question on this, then I want to get into some of what's coming up this weekend. Sure. Is there a scenario where this becoming so public and a lot of attention being drawn to it where in the past that might not would have been the case, that the next time that this issue comes up, that maybe we're not just talking about a third assistant, but maybe we're talking about meaningful, significant change that could include potentially adding scholarships for baseball? Or baseball yeah. and softball. Well, I think you could see that absolutely. Uh, you know, I think if you're the if you're college baseball right now, and you hear all these ABs talking about student welfare, this and student welfare that. Well, I'll tell you what, put your money where your mouth is. Let's put up legislation to improve student welfare, which, by the way, includes scholarship increases. And let's see where you fall on this, because if you're all about student welfare and you really support baseball, then you should have no problem doing that. So uh, I really hope the ABCA and college baseball kind of band together, which I think is going to happen, uh, and they put something like that forward here in the next year. I'll say this, and it's kind of my last word on this. Uh, I do feel like in a, in, a, in a weird way, like this is sort, certainly a short-term loss for college baseball, 
But I think this is going to be a long-term success because what this has done, it's it, it activated so many coaches around the country that I've never even heard from. They're all of a sudden like, hey, man, what, what can we do to help get things passed? And, you know, I, I think it's created a lot of momentum across the country. I think it's made a lot of these ADs think twice the next year round about voting no on this stuff because people are going to find out. Uh, and at the end of the day, uh, you know, the, I think these, these bigger conferences like the SEC – we're going to get to a point where they're tired of waiting on everybody. Like, we're the only sport that sits there and waits on all the little guys and all the people who have disadvantages to catch up. And it comes to a point, which I think is now, to where, you know what, we're going to do what we're going to do. If you can't catch up, too bad. Let's switch gears to actual baseball, visiting with Kendall Rogers yeah. from D1 Baseball, D1Baseball.com. Ole Miss's resume is a little weird right now. 21 in the RPI. 30 and 15 overall, tied for second in the West at 13 and 8, but they've got six non-conference losses, midweek losses, however you want to look at them. Is is 18 conference wins? It, does that make hosting a slam dunk? And, and I'm not trying to be the oh are they going to host guy asking that question, but 18 has been kind of a threshold. <laughs> if you're in the SEC, you're hosting with 18 wins. Is that no, enough, I, I, given kind of the strangeness of Ole Miss's resume? No, I, I do think they will host and get to 18 wins, because remember, if they get to 18 wins, they probably, and more, more than likely, have a bye in the first round of the SEC tournament, so you're guaranteed to play two games. So let's say they win one of those, and you get to 19 wins, they're, they're definitely hosting. So, you know, I, I just think when you look at Ole Miss right now, and the reason why we kind of hesitated this week to make them a host, along with A&M, A&M behind Ole Miss in our pecking order, but the big thing, when I look at Ole Miss's remaining schedule, boy, it's not easy. I mean, you've got Ed LSU, which is always tough, no matter if they have Cole Henry or not. Um, you know, Mississippi State, obviously, I don't need to explain how tough that can be. And then uh, at Tennessee, Tennessee's going to need some wins that final weekend in Knoxville. That's yeah. a really, really tough road. And the same goes for A&M. I mean, A&M has uh, Arkansas and Mississippi State two out of the last three weekends uh, with Alabama and Nestle in the middle. So I think the biggest thing with those two teams, specifically Ole Miss, as you look at the Rebels, you know, they're a game over 500 against RPI top 50. The top 25 record's not overwhelming. As you mentioned, uh, as much as I don't like to worry about midweek games, they have had some bad midweek losses. You know, that has been a trend this year. So, um, you know, I, I think if you look at Ole Miss down the stretch, I think if they can win two other last three series, not stink it up in Hoover, I do think they will host. Hey, Kendall, it's Brian Haydad. I'll sort of ask the same question about Mississippi State, but we'll make it a national yeah. seed question. If they win two of the next three series, will they be a national seed? Oh, well, without a doubt, without a doubt. I, you know, the, here's the thing about State. is you look at its remaining schedule, and, you know, it's kind of like you'd rather play at home because you think you probably have a better chance to win, uh, but you have A&M and Ole Miss on the road. Number one, your RPI is not going anywhere no matter what happens. And number two, if you let's say you just win one of those of those two series, your RPI probably goes up a little bit. So uh, I, I think if they win two of the last three, I think they're a slam dunk top eight unless they just stink it up in Hoover. And even then, honestly, uh, I still think they're probably a national seed. But keep an eye, you know, keep an eye when you look at that top eight race. Keep an eye on East Carolina. Keep an eye on Stanford. And keep an eye on Texas Tech. ECU, uh, you know, has really cleaned up in the American this year. They're dominating that league, but their metrics are a little light right now. Uh, but Stanford has a backloaded schedule. Uh, and very easily could push back up in that top 10 and make things pretty interesting. Kendall, so many times we look at that top 16 and we're, we're under the impression that, okay, the committee just goes 1 through 16. I don't think that's going to be the case 
uh, certainly wouldn't be the case if you had the RPI today because Tennessee wouldn't be hosting, Auburn wouldn't be hosting. Tell me about UC Santa Barbara. They haven't played a game this year against the top 50. They're sitting at number 13 in the RPI with a 33-7 and record overall, and they don't have lights at their baseball field. Are they going to host? Could they host this year? I mean, they're going to try to host. They're going to bring in, like, portable lights. But, I, you know, I, I don't think it's going to happen for them. You know, they lost that series to UC Riverside, who's awful over the weekend. I can't believe they lost that. But, yeah, you know, they're sitting at 33-7 or 13 RPI, which is still good. But, I mean, you're talking about a team, like you mentioned, you know, zero you know, zero and zero against top 50. Their nine conferences of schedule is a great 128. So, uh, I really think for the Gauchos to host and be a top 16 – they're going to have to run the table the rest of the year. They, I don't think they can afford to lose another game. And so, you know, the, the problem they run into as well is in the past there might be a, there might be the NCAA committee, even with the new structure of seating what these fixing, say, hey, you know what? If UCSB, let's say, is tied with Ole Miss here, hey, we're, we're lacking West Coast hosts, so let's give uh, UCSB a host. Well, guess what? That's not the case this year because you've got, you know, Oregon State is going to host. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, Stanford's going to host. And you've got UCLA going to host. And then you have a, you know Texas Tech out way west Texas who's going to host as well. So they don't need a West Coast host. So I, I think their days are numbered in terms of being in the hosting mix, and especially dealing with the headaches and the long distance of that ballpark. You know, here's another scenario. I mean, if you want to play crazy scenarios, Richard, uh, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility they could go somewhere like Ole Miss as a one seed. We hadn't seen that in a bunch of years, have we? We haven't, but, I mean, if you can't host your facility – but you deserve to host based on your RPI. I mean, it's 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 the possibility. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's a possibility. But this is a very very unique case, and I'm extremely interested to see what the committee does with them. Hey, we're out of time. Twenty seconds left. Give me a series winner in Baton Rouge and a series winner in College Station. You know, I think uh, I'm going to go with Ole Miss and Baton Rouge. I think Ole Miss has kind of found its stride a little bit uh, with LSU without Cole Henry. And then Zach Hess going back to the bullpen. I like Ole Miss in that one. And I think I'll lean with Mississippi State. I just think with State and the, and the job that Columbia has done lately, uh, and then when you look at that offense, I think there's just so much more offense than today. And I do think State takes care of business on the road. So a lot of happy people in Mississippi this weekend, including probably Southern Miss fans who have FAU at home this weekend. Just after 5 o'clock with you, Wednesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. Show's brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line. You can check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Brody Miller from NOLA.com on your radio right now. Brody, appreciate uh, a few minutes of your time. Uh, a little crazy right now in, uh, in in LSU country with all of the Will Wade stuff going on to that. We'll get back to that coming up in, uh, in just a little bit. Let's talk about this series, though, in Baton Rouge this weekend with Ole Miss and LSU. Um, feels like a really, really big weekend for both of these teams. Do you view this as a, a weekend where – Almost like you got two teams that are kind of playing each other for a host spot. Um, I mean, to some extent, absolutely. I think you know, I think LSU is probably kind of. I think I, I kind of feel like both these teams will end up hosting, but there's definitely something to that. I think I think in these two teams' mind, they're they're playing for the SEC West still. They're both they're both trying. They both think they can make that run and possibly you know 
inch out the west away from uh, away from Arkansas. But but yeah, I mean it's a it's a big rivalry. It's two teams that are you know obviously at the top of college baseball, and it's two teams trying to. I mean obviously Ole Miss is coming off a massive series win, so uh, it's, I don't know. It's gonna be a fun it's gonna be a fun weekend. This has been kind of a strange LSU team, uh, or at least it has been Very. outside looking in. Is, is that a fair way to describe it? Yeah, it's been a bizarre year because it's been like whenever one thing is working well, the other team part of it isn't. You know, at one point in the year, the pitching staff looked filthy, and then but the bats weren't going well, and then you know the the pitching staff's walking everybody, but then the bats go quiet, and then right when this right when it seems like everything's starting to start clicking again, then you're. You know, your Friday night starter goes out for a few weeks. Or, you know, and at one point, the, the position depth was so thin, they literally only had nine position players available. They actually did not have a single bench player. So it's it's been this, this constant thing of, well, if this gets together, then things will click. But if this gets together, this will click. And it's just never quite all come together. Now, the one thing that makes them feel a little bit better about that is, despite this year being this really awkward kind of, you know, I guess – frustrating season for them they're still only two back in the west and they're still you know top 15 team in the country so there's optimism that you know right now it seems like the position players are actually 100 percent healthy for the first time all year and you know cole henry's not going to be available this weekend which is a huge loss for lsu because he's looked like an ace but but other than cole henry this team is really starting to get healthy and there's there's hope that maybe this team could you know make one of those may june runs that pulmonary teams are known for and, and Zach Hess now back into the bullpen as opposed to a starter. Is that is that confirmed? Yes, that is confirmed. It's been yeah, it's been. I mean, it's been some of the more fascinating ten days you know, since I since I feel like I joined this week because I mean, basically back in um, you know back ten days ago, basically they agreed. Okay, you know Cole Henry's going to become the Friday night guy, and Zach Hess is going to go to the bullpen. Then then a day later they find out Cole Henry has you know elbow tendonitis and. You know, he wasn't going to be available. So all of a sudden, that got put on hold. And then I think what happened there was all of a sudden, Zach Cash is kind of in limbo where he's come to terms with the fact he's not going to be a starter anymore. But now he has to go back. And there was a weird situation of him pitching at Alabama as a Friday night guy, even though he knows he won't be. And I think that kind of, they, at least they think that kind of messed with him. He didn't have a great start. So basically, what they decided today was, and I think they decided this morning was, okay. You know, Cole Henry's not going to be available this weekend, which is a huge loss, but let's not let this continue this whole thing of limbo. Let's try to make do with Mikhail Hilliard on Friday for another week, and let's just put him in the best situation to succeed and move forward to this transition so that, you know, he's back in where where they want him to be in the coming weeks. Because I think, you know, I mean, he he, he talked really openly and self awarely today about. Zach Hesfield, just about how these two years have been for him. And, and I think he realized that he came to terms a few weeks ago with, I'm not meant to be, you know, some star SEC starter. And uh, I think he knows that he pitches better, at, his, his personality works better, his mechanics work better, everything works better out of the bullpen. So they're going to now all of a sudden the plan is, hey, let's have the best bullpen in the SEC with Zach Hess, Devin Fontenot, and Todd Peterson. Okay, so. Weekend rotation now looks like what? I mean, I assume some combination of Eric Walker and Landon Marceau, but who who else and what's the order? <laughs> yeah, good question. Sorry, I left that out. Uh, yeah, so basically they're going to stick with Eric Walker on Saturday, and then they'll go with Landon Marceau on Sunday like he pitched against Alabama, so they're not messing with those guys too much. And then Friday they're going to go with Mikhail Hilliard. Okay. Now that's a tricky one because Mikhail Hilliard, you know, he hasn't really extended much as a starter this year. He's 
you know, he's looked pretty good lately out of the bullpen. But, you know, it's weird because he was LSU's most reliable starter last season. He's a really good pitcher to the rest of the ball. So you know he's not scared of this moment. You know he's used to this. He's a confident guy. But also, you know, he's probably not going to be a long-term solution. So it's kind of a perfect placeholder if you had to choose one until Cole Henry's healthy, if he does get healthy, I guess I should say. But, yeah, so, you know, it'll be a Friday, which, you know, that's, that's probably one where – that's going to be a tough one for LSU to steal, if we're being honest. But then I think they feel good about Walker and Marceau on Saturday and Sunday. Is the key for Mikael Hilliard as a starter going to be having success with that, that overhand curveball? Because when it's when it's good, it's really good. It just, at least in the little that I've watched him this year, it, it's been kind of more of a loopy curveball that ends up in the middle of the zone as opposed to that, that kind of hammer that we saw at times a year ago. Yeah, you know, I'll be honest with you, I think it kind of changes every game. I think some there have been some games where it looks like that that curveball, you know, that one day you're talking about that was as, as nasty as a curveball as, as I've seen. But then there's been, like you said, some other ones where it kind of looped in there and teams were able to just hit it. Um, so I think that's big. One thing that's really been a nice, you know, an interesting change to follow this year, and it definitely wasn't the case last year, he has this really nice looking, like, he says it's not intentionally a cutter, but it's kind of this darting, cutting fastball. And he's had a lot of success with strikeouts on that pitch as well. So I think, if anything, a lot of it comes down to let's get the. Fa- I think his pitching now revolves a little more than it did last year around get the fastball going and then work into the curveball. So I think he's technically more, I don't know, versatile than he was last year, for lack of a better term. But those those specific things, like you said, like his curveball, aren't as dominant as they were last year. Brody Miller on your radio, NOLA.com, covers LSU. Ole Miss is in Baton Rouge this weekend for a three-game series. Starts on Friday night. Rebels play against Southern Miss tonight uh, before they head on to uh, to Baton Rouge. I know this isn't a news story anymore, but the fact that LSU does not have a single left-handed pitcher on the roster is still crazy to me. <laughs> no, and I think it's, uh, it's something pulmonary has kind of danced around a little bit because I think yeah, here's what happened here. They're not happy about it, and there's no denying that. But what happened here was basically there have been a lot of years in the past where LSU has kind of just brought some lefties on just to have lefties, and then those pitchers haven't been very good, and they transfer out or they, just, they don't play. And I think all of a sudden you're wasting a roster spot on somebody like that. So I think what happened was basically Palmineri told Alan Dunn, the pitching coach and recruiting coordinator Nolan Kane, don't overthink it, just get the best arms. I don't think you ever foresaw a scenario where they literally have zero left handed pitchers, but <laughs> I think that was that was the idea. And I you know, I don't I don't know the answer to how this happened and all that, but but yeah, I think and they got a really the number one recruiting class in the country. They brought in a ton of talented arms. So it's not like they don't have talent. But yeah, it, it's just kinda of weird that they ended up that way. Um and, and you know, I guess it's one of those things that's hard to really give a great answer about how much it's affected a team because you don't have much to compare and contrast, right? You can't you can't be like, well, this scenario might have changed, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It seems like they've been making do. I think their pitching staff is, and SEC players in general been pretty solid. But it, it's been weird. I think it really just affects you in those, that situational baseball. Brody Miller talking some LSU. Let's switch gears away from baseball for a second. Uh I don't know if you thought you would be focused on the Southern District of New York in covering LSU, but uh, obviously some interesting stuff coming out of this basketball corruption case. Uh, and it seems like daily that there's new news, and a lot of the days that news includes Will Wade. What What's the temperature of folks in and around Baton Rouge right now with regard to the, the basketball case? Well, I think, you know, LSU kind of put itself in a, in a spot where you wait, you know, 
you waited a long time, you suspended them. I mean, and now I think now you have a new athletic director coming in. That more stuff comes out every day, and I think they're. I think well, first off, the temperature around Baton Rouge is they all love him. So fans in LSU are just crazy about Will Wade, despite all of this. They, he could do no wrong in their eyes. It's actually really fascinating to follow. But uh, in terms of just overall how things look, I mean, you basically brought him back with an amended contract that says. Okay, he gave up his bonuses, and now there's new calm language in his contract that if he is found of a level one or level two NCAA violation, you know he can be fired with cause. So basically, you bring him back with the idea that I don't know. I guess it's kind of an admission of not, now you're in this together, but you have a way out. So I think if anything, now with the new athletic director who said they're going to support him until things until basically they can't support him and. And whatnot. I think you have to. You are now in a spot where you have to wait it out until something actually, until you have an actual result. And I wonder how much of that is. Hey, you had already waited so long that you can't really fire him and expect to make a good hire, or things like that. And also, he does have so much public support in LSU. So it is. It's a really tricky um, dynamic because of, like you said, support because of timing because of just the, the financial language of how you fire him with or without cause. I mean, because of all these reasons, they're kind of in a holding pattern. <laughs> Interesting times, Brody. Appreciate your uh, your time this afternoon. Look forward to talking to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me as always. Take care. Brody Miller, NOLA.com. Maybe you just wait it out, and if you have to sacrifice a year, you sacrifice a year, and if you don't, then you get Will Wade for another year. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.